is Melinda Poitras, and you're listening to He Said, She Said, the one with books and bros. This one is also the one with a trigger warning, I'm afraid. We're going to talk about abuse today. Not graphically, but I just want you to know that that's happening. I, right now, am several months deep into counseling. I have a beautiful, wonderful, hilarious, spirit-filled, talented counselor that I've been working with. Only my family people really knew about this until now, so I guess welcome to this episode and also welcome to the family. Why am I in counseling? You're in the family now, so I guess I'll tell you. Think of it this way. Let's say your apartment has a hole in the floor, and instead of fixing the hole, you just lay flooring down on top of it. It would look completely fine, but there would be no solid foundation, really. So if you forgot that spot was there, you would be in danger of falling through. And anyone you invited into your life who didn't know the hole was there in the first place, they would be in extra danger of falling through. Just walking along and having fun and checking the place out, and whoops, there they are. Unexpected consequences. Someone's foot gets stuck and you're paying with double pain, yours and theirs. So it was time to pry up the laminate and fix the floor. I want to be safe space, not I'm safe until you accidentally trip into this hole and then you're paying for a whole bunch of stuff you didn't do or even know about until now, sir or ma'am, actually safe. I want to be as healthy and strong as possible with the greatest quality of life available so that I can be as life-giving as possible to those around me. I wasn't sure if counseling would help with that, but it has. I mean, wow, has it? I don't know if my people notice or it's made a real difference for them, but when I can shut the door behind them and go get in bed and fall asleep instead of driving around for hours worried that the fact that I love them means I will inevitably be abandoned or tortured by that love, well, that makes a real difference to me. (laughs) A real big difference. I want to live a life that glorifies God. I want to be the best me I can be. I want to make a difference for his kingdom. I've been doing a better job of that since I got into counseling. It may have something to do with my counselor being the best at her job and someone I look forward to discussing all of life with every week, but also likely has to do with my obedience. I knew that there were things the Lord wanted me to work through and to see clearly, and I knew I needed help to do that. And I'm grateful for all that's happened since I said yes. One of the things that has happened is that Sonic Flood randomly popped onto my playlist at prayer early one morning, and the familiar strains of I Could Sing of Your Love Forever flowed through my headphones, and I was overwhelmed by the grace and the mercy of God. My counselor had just told me the day before, it's really incredible. You literally should not have this quality of life, but here you are. It's like cuts and bruises notwithstanding. You just keep wading through the barbed wire and smiling and waving and dragging people with you as you go. The Lord has kept you. Melinda, do you understand that the Lord has kept you? I had just done the difficult work of creating a lifetime line for her. It's a comprehensive look at the major negative and positive events of every year of my life. It was grueling. It was daunting. It was eye-opening. I think of new things to add to it every session, but something about having just done that allowed this melody to transport me so easily back to my bedroom in Ghana and teenage Melinda with her Walkman CD player. She listened to Sonic Floods. I could sing of your love forever over and over and over just bopping around in her bedroom. She didn't always have friends and she didn't always have words or answers for the rage churning around inside her, but she had Jesus, okay? She could have as much of Jesus as she wanted and he kept her. He did. 
over every mountain, through every sea. His love was a river that never ran out. And every time she opened up her heart to him, he set her free, no matter what else held her in bondage. She was free in Jesus on her darkest day. So I sat up in the balcony at early morning prayer and I remember teenage Melinda and I cried and cried and I thanked him over and over because he did keep me. I was happy to be in the truth then. I'm happy to be in the truth now and I do daily lift my hands. I don't ever want to forget it. He has kept me every day of my life and I don't think I could possibly be any more in love with him but I'll wake up more in love with him tomorrow just the same. I know that I will because it happens every morning. Every morning mercy is new. Every day he gets a little better somehow. And counseling, it's opened me up to this idea, not original with me, that life is not happening to me. It's happening for me. That's a biblical idea, isn't it? After all, we know all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. We know that. But do we really know it? Sometimes I'm not so sure. Here is, for example, an excerpt from my journal. Hard to say. Who can know? Only you, God. You know exactly what is going to happen. You know exactly what is coming. Speaking of honesty, that's not always a comforting thought. It should be. I, if I truly trusted you, I think it would be. But I'm discovering right here in this moment that I don't. Because if I knew how much you really love me, if I understood how much you really care, I would also know and fully understand how your intentions are good and meant to give me a beautiful purpose and future. You are not lurking around the next corner, intent on surprising me with more misery. You are holding my hand, gently leading and guiding me into joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory is etched out into your plan for my life. And if I trusted you, I would understand that. So maybe I don't trust you, not like I would like to. Maybe I could learn. And when I do, not live a life spent patiently preparing to encounter more pain. Wow, was this a breakthrough moment? I thought honesty would lead to bitterness, but we're three minutes in and I'm already more in love with you. I would like to pause to say, I stopped mid-writing this podcast, slept, got up, And then that came out in my journaling prayer time the next morning. Did I not say I would be more in love with him this morning? Every time, I'm telling you, he doesn't fail. Emily P. Freeman sums up so beautifully what counseling is helping teach me. It's interesting that it would be very easy for their narrative to be one of traumatization. She has been through a lot. She said many times, I thought I'm not going to make it anymore. But it's not a narrative of trauma. It's a narrative of joy. We can all learn from that. It's not a narrative of trauma. It's a narrative of joy. The story arc can be one of hope, even though each part of the story may have had its share of hopelessness. The story arc can be one of faith, even though the characters may have shaken fists and asked hard questions and yelled at the top of their lungs. The story arc is joyful, even when the people are broken. I have found this to be true. I cannot tell you all the endless and beautiful ways I have found this to be true. Here's where the story isn't fun. Here's the part where I leave for an aim trip, headed back to my beloved Ghana. I'm in a row by myself, thankfully, when I have a full-out panic attack on the plane. Memories resurface, I guess, when you're strong enough to make them safe. And this set of memories was a doozy. 
I was flying home when the memories of the sexual abuse came flooding back. That's just how my brain worked that day. That's just how the story goes for me. I arrive in Ghana, a shattered mess, something I confess to our missionaries there, friends like family we've had our entire lives almost immediately. Because this happened on the way back home, I'm actually able to get right back into counseling with the wonderful counselor who saw me through some of my teen years with the Adabotis that these new memories make it a lot easier to make sense of me. So there's that. I cannot tell my parents I'm overseas. They are in the States. Dad is my father and my boss is AIM director and I absolutely cannot tell them. The AIM trip itself, which I would not trade for anything, was its own trauma. Sometimes a wound has to be reopened, cleaned out, sutured in order to properly heal and better enable you to function. I returned back to the States, wounded, raw, struggling to heal, and angry. Man, was I angry. I had the hard conversation with my parents. I tried to assimilate into life and to function, and almost immediately I got summoned for jury duty. I wish I could explain to you the level of torment I was living with and functioning under. My my anxiety was acute. I was afraid all the time. The best way I can think to describe that is that being looked at physically hurt. Like you looking at me was me being slapped in the face. I just wanted to run all the time, but there was nowhere to run or to hide. And here I am reporting for jury duty. It was the worst most vulnerable day I experienced in that entire decade. I felt completely alone. I remember sitting in the courtroom feeling both invisible and somehow like everyone could see every part of me all at once. Back to eating lunch by myself in a place where no one knew me, overcome by fear. What a party. When we found our way into the thick of jury selection, they began the process of weeding everyone out. I had no plans, nowhere to go, no place to be. So I made it through. Yippee. Then they informed us it was a child molestation case and that the child was going to be placed on the stand. And they asked if there was anything we could think of that would mess with our impartiality and the honesty that kept me confessing every broken plate or attempted lie my entire life propelled me forward and I approached the bench. This is the tale of how the first time I share my story outside of the family, I am recounting the most shameful thing in my life to an actual judge. I was tangled up in sexual abuse. I'm just now working through it. I had no voice. If you put a child on this stand, I will believe whatever the child says without question. The judge had been stern-faced the whole time, but he softened with compassion when he leaned towards me and said, thank you for sharing that. You understand that while you will not serve on this case, I cannot excuse you. You will have to continue to serve in some other capacity. Yes, sir. I do. I went back to my seat, completely numb. The rest of the day was a blur until my name was called at the end. I made the official repeat this news twice, but it turned out I was free to go. The judge had excused me. He sent me home after all. At church that Sunday, our friend Stephen, who was a cop, said, Hey, I saw you at the courthouse, but you never one time noticed me. He'd been there the whole time. I wasn't alone at all. And years later, I sit in Guatemala. I have gathered hours of audio interviews with missionary Lynn Jewett. I'm collecting stories for a book about her life. I will take her facts and wind them up in my words and will release a book that will minister to many. I know it will do so even then. There are many stories that will change people's hearts and lives, but I am here with the express purpose of telling one. It's my main goal, and I know it. The air grows heavy. And she finally recounts the horrific abuse, the death of her dreams, the devastation of the life she had built. 
a story even many of those closest to her did not know at the time, a story so many need to hear, a story she was just then willing to tell, a story the Lord had chosen me to help share. And when she attempted to describe for me the time that she spent in the courtroom, how she sat on the bench and felt invisible, but like everyone around her could see all of her, and she's desperate to hide, the presence of the Lord moved thick into that room, and I realized... I knew exactly how to tell that story. The Lord had equipped me to tell that story. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 There is not a minute of my life that I would trade because the Lord used those minutes to make me, me. Even on my worst days, because of my level of submission to him, I know that I am a vessel he is using. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Second Corinthians 4, 7. I thank God for every step of my story, because I know he has and will continue to use it for his glory. There's nothing special about me, except that I'm made by his hands. I love the Pat Barrett song, Canvas and Clay. In my mother's womb, you formed me with your hands, known and loved by you before I took a breath. When I doubt it, Lord, remind me, I'm wonderfully made. You're an artist and a potter. I'm the canvas and the clay. You make all things work together for my future and for my good. You make all things work together for your glory and for your name. There's a healing light just beyond the clouds. Though I've walked through fire, I see clearly now. I know nothing has been wasted. No failure or mistake. You're an artist and a potter. I'm the canvas and the clay. You make all things work together for my future and for my good. You make all things work together for your glory and for your name. This is my prayer for the ears that hear this today. Let the story arc be joyful, even when the people are broken. Let our hearts return home to our Father and our minds rest securely in the peace only He brings, knowing we are held, though we walk through hell, by His merciful hands. Let us submit all our seasons, past, present, and future, to His timing, trusting He does all things well as He works all things for good. Let's all be better together, singing of His love forever and ever. In Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to He Said, She Said, the one with books and bros. Hopefully something you've heard made you smile, inspired you to think, or called you nearer to a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Thank you for taking time. Thank you for making space. We'll catch you next week. Same time, same place.